Blog Talk Radio. and Sportsbeat Radio, this is Sportsbeat, a provocative, insightful, informative, and educational show that we hope will educate the sports listener to the specific of sport. With interviews, analysis, and a comprehensive look at the topics we feel will be appealing to the listener, and with that said, we're not just your average call-in, same subject, same question over and over sports radio, but we like to think of ourselves as informative and educational radio. So why not sit back, and for the next 30 minutes or so, we hope you'll find the program informative, educational, and above all, enjoyable. And with that said and done, this is Sportsbee, and we're coming at you live, and I'm your host, John Spool. So everybody, welcome to this Thursday program, the second day of summer, Thursday, June 22nd, 2023. Thanks so much for joining us yet on another segment of Sports Beat Radio, talking sports. We like to think of ourselves as educational radio. We have an educational show for you today, the first NFL championship game. We're going to be talking about that, and uh, that is a question that we get asked a lot. You know, when was the first game, uh, championship game in the NFL? And if you ask Alexa or any of those uh, Internet uh, answering services, so to speak, uh, they will probably tell you that January 15th, 1967 was the first championship, and that was the first official Super Bowl, but it was not anywhere near the first uh, official championship game in the NFL. So <clears throat> if you were to take a sports trivia question or quiz, and they said to you, what year was the first NFL championship game? You know, you, if you knew the history of it, most people don't, 
you might say, well, uh, 1933 was the first uh, championship game, and uh, you would be doe-eyed and, you know, and all excited about the money that you're going to make, and the uh, interviewer would tell you that you were wrong because that was actually the first official bona fide NFL championship, 1933. But there was one played the year before, and now you have to remember that all of the championships were decided by a first-place winner. 1920, it was the Akron Pros who had the best record, so... Uh, the founding fathers of the NFL just gave them the, the uh, benefit of the doubt and said they were the champions. But in 32, what happened was there was a tie between two teams. Now, there was only one division in those years. Uh, you heard the sound by courtesy of Classic Sports on YouTube. We thank them for their uh, assistance. There was only, uh, you know, the one division. That didn't uh, split in two until 33, which made it much more interesting. You heard the soundbite of the historian talking about it. So what would happen is that the uh, Portsmouth Spartans, who were charter members uh, from the small town of Portsmouth, they were 6-1-4, and four, and the Chicago Bears, who were one of the charter members, they were 6-1-6. and six. So probably the championship should have gone to Portsmouth. But the, the founding fathers of the NFL then, they didn't really uh, take in consideration uh, differentials. Uh, you know, like uh, what team scored more points? What did they play each other? What was the record that they played each other like they do today in the NFL? Now, there's a lot of people that said, well, maybe they just didn't think about it. Maybe they weren't smart enough. Now, they were smart enough. I mean, people in those days weren't dumb. But they probably thought, they probably were more um, probably honest than people today in that they wanted to give the benefit of the doubt by playing a game. And today they don't do that, of course. There's differentials, you know, point differentials and tiebreakers and all this. So probably by right, Portsmouth should have won the NFL championship because they were 6-1-4 and the Bears were 6-1-6. and So... To break the tie, they decided that they were going to play this game. And the game was played uh, in Chicago. It was supposed to be played at Wrigley Field and uh, in December of 1932. And uh, all went accordingly, except there was one major problem, and that was a massive snowstorm in Chicago that paralyzed the city. Now, they didn't have the technology then to clear everything like they do today. It would take them a lot longer in those days, and Wrigley Field was snowed in. So what they did is they played the game indoors. They played in Chicago Stadium, which held about 20,000 for hockey, and later, of course, uh, the uh, Chicago Bulls would play there. That was before they got the United Center. The Blackhawks played there. And they converted this, the field, the uh, rink, into a football field that was 60 yards long. And uh, the players uh, had certain rule changes. They couldn't kick field goals. They had to bring the ball in a certain way from the side boards because the boards of the uh, ice rink were still there. And they played this game. And the game was uh, 9 nothing. That's what it was. The Bears won. They shut out uh, Portsmouth. 
And while, you know, four of the first six championships were disputed only once in 1921 did two teams finish tied for first place in the standings, the Chicago Staleys, which were the Bears, uh, the following year, and the Buffalo All-Americans finished with an identical 9-1 record and had split a two-game series with each other, but league officials used a tiebreaker in those days to controversially give the Staleys the title. So in 32, the Spartans and the Bears tied for first place, as I said, with the 6-1 and record. So under the rules of the time, standings were based on winning percentage with ties excluded from the calculation. Thus, the Spartans and Bears each finished the regular season with identical 857% winning percentages ahead of the defending champion Green Bay, who had 10 wins and 3 losses at 769 winning percentage. So the game was played, and it was interesting uh, because the – uh field was about 60 yards long, 45 yards wide, 10 yards narrower than the regulation width. The goalposts were moved from the end lines to the goal lines. And every time a team crossed the 10-yard line, the ball was moved back 20 yards to allow for shortened field. And for the first time, all plays started with the ball on or between the hash marks, which were 10 yards from the sidelines. And it was also decided that due to the smaller field at indoor stadium, drop kicks, and that's when they actually dropped the ball on the field and kicked it, and field goals would be not used in the game. So it was uh, it was played on December 18th. Game time was uh, kind of interesting. Then 8.15, a lot of the stadiums in those days were not uh, lighted, and the attendance uh, was 11,198. And the reason for that is uh, most people couldn't get out of their house. So the game was the first time in which the NFL used an 80-yard field. The next occasion was 87 years later when 2019 the Raiders and Packers met at IG Field in Winnipeg for a preseason game. IG Field is home of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the CFL, Canadian Football League. Normally has goalposts 110 yards apart. And after the posts were moved for the NFL preseason game, the resulting divots in the field caused a safety hazard to allow the game to go on. So the game was played on a hastily shortened 80-yard field with kickoffs eliminated. And each team started play at its own 15-yard line. So that was the only time that it was changed. But, you know, even though this was not actual an official NFL championship, the real official one was 1933. But this game, in my view had such historic proportions, played indoors. Um, McCaskey, uh, the daughter of uh, George Hallis, who was the longtime owner and uh, coach of the Chicago Bears, said that the arena smelled, had an odd smell. They had a circus in there the week before. And uh, they also talked to some of the Chicago Bear players were uh, – had what they call a wee nip the night before, and uh, some of them were uh, not really in great playing shape. One of them threw up in the huddle, and uh, it was an interesting game. I think in in many ways uh, a much more historic game than the actual first 1933 championship game uh, that would follow the following year. And so what is the difference? Well, the difference really is that this game was hastily put together uh, to determine a champion. While the 1933 game was actually thought out, uh, planned, ticket prices were, you know, established, radio 
was established. This uh, 32 game was on the radio. There, were no, there was no TV then. And, uh, you know, Bronco Nagurski, the uh, uh, great fullback for the Bears, played in that game. Mel Hine played in that game. And, um, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was an interesting game uh, as far as history is concerned. So when we look now to the 1933 game, the championship game, the first actual thought-out, planned, official game of the uh, NFL, it was the New York Giants versus, again, the Chicago Bears. And the Bears were a tough team then. They had won in 32 against Portsmouth. And now there are two divisions, which you heard the uh, historian say in the sound clip when the show started, that really kind of revolutionized football. It made it, uh, you know, much more appealing, I think, to not only the game and the league, but also to the fans. Because now you had an Eastern division and a Western division. And so the participants were the New York Giants, who that year finished 11-3, and and the Chicago Bears, who had beaten Portsmouth the year earlier in the old Chicago Stadium, the indoor stadium, uh, with George Hallis as their coach. They were 10-2-1. and They were from the Western Division. Steve Owen was the uh, coach of the Giants. So now, you know, you had the two newly created divisions. Chicago gained the home field due to a better winning percentage, and after the uh, this year, the home field alternated with the East Division champ hosting in even numbers and the Western and odd. So Chicago scored the winning touchdown with less than two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And they won that game by a score of 23-21. to The game was played at Wrigley Field, where the 32 game was supposed to be played. The attendance was uh, between 25 and 26,000. Tim Mara owned the Giants. And George Hallis owned, who would be the coach of the Bears, owned the Bears, a longtime owner and coach of, of the Bears. So before the 33 season, how this thing happened is that the Boston Redskins, who would become you know, the Washington Redskins and now the Commanders, owner George Preston Marshall, he's a well-known figure in the NFL, he suggested to the owners that a league make some rule changes to increase the excitement of the game including allowing passing from anywhere behind the line of scrimmage and returning the goalpost to the goal line, which was changed in 1973. Then he made another proposal a couple of months later, splitting the 10-team league into two divisions of five teams, each and having winners of each play uh, a championship game. So although the owners were hesitant at first, some of them believed that this harsh uh, new owner thought that their game needed overhauling. The logic of his argument won out, and they were implemented. So it was interesting in this game because not only was it the first game officially played in the NFL for a championship, but the Giants uh, called their first trick play, which was similar to another that was invented much earlier. And it it was a shift allowing the center, Mel Hine, who was considered one of the great centers, a Hall of Fame center for the Giants, the team center to be an eligible receiver. But instead of passing the ball to him after the snap, Newman – handed it back to him and pretended he still had it, dropping back as though he was going to pass. Hine, the center, with the ball hidden under his jersey, 
ran from the Bears' 45-yard line to their 15. Hine may have been able to gain more yards, but when he saw the open field in front of him, he started to sprint. Now, he, keep in mind, he was walking with the ball under his shirt, under his jersey. He sprinted toward the goal line instead of waiting for his blockers like he was supposed to, and the Giants were unable to score on this drive as Chicago's defense tightened and they missed a field goal. And Jack Manders kicked a field goal late in the first quarter and another in the middle of the second quarter to give the Bears a 6 nothing lead. So the Giants drove their own 40-yard line in the game's final drive, but running back Dale Burnett missed a wide-open Mel Hine, who was an eligible receiving center, on another trick play, and Burnett threw a wobbly pass to Hine, who was standing uncovered on the Bears' 30-yard line. And on the game's final play, George tackled Badgro before he could complete the lateral portion of the hook-and-ladder play New York was attempting. And Red Grange, who played in that game with Bronco Nagurski, diagnosed the play correctly and wrapped up Badgro's arms rather than his legs so he could not pitch the ball to Burnett. And so with that, the Bears repeated as champions with the victory, and the win marked George Hallis' second title as head coach in the NFL. So the legacy of the, of the game, really, uh, the story the, uh, the next day in the Associated Press described it as probably the most spectacular game of the year, a brilliant display of offensive power. And the first 50 years, that was a 1969 book that chronicles the first half century of the NFL, listed the 33 NFL championship game as the first of 10 games that mattered. The National Football League's first championship game was as good as it should have been, said the book. And there are great occasions in great games, but they rarely get together. In 1933, they did, according to the book, and they were two good teams playing on a meteorological accident, a good field in Chicago in December. About 25,000 came out, the largest crowd since Red Grange first came up. And the game they saw was worth the price. The book concludes that the game had already shown the fast-moving, high-scoring excitement in pro football's future. Red Grange said later that it was the greatest football game I ever saw or ever participated in. And in 2019, for the NFL's 100th season, the game was named 51st on the list of greatest NFL games ever played. The way it scored was the Giants scored seven in the second, seven in the third, seven in the fourth period. They, they were shut out in the first period. The Bears... Uh, who won that game 23-21, scored three in the first, three in the second, ten in the third, and seven in the fourth quarter to take the uh, championship 23-21 to over the Giants. Uh, interestingly enough, in that game, there was a referee, umpire, headlinesman, and field judge. The NFL only four game officials in 1933. The back judge was added in 1947. The line judge was added in 1965, and the side judge added in 1978. And here's something that's uh, kind of comical, you know, in a day and age of multimillionaire players. The gate receipts for the game were $21,100. Each player on the Bears winning team received $210.34. And, and Red Grange said that $0.34 cents made a lot of difference in those days. You know, that was uh, during the Depression years. And the Giants players made about $140 each. Some players said they made 170 so there wasn't much of a disparity. But that was the pay. And so that was a look at, you know, that particular uh, game. Uh, trick plays, 
you know, which were part of uh, kind of the Jack Patera era. Those of you who remember, Jack Patera was a uh, coach for the Seattle uh, Seahawks way back in the 70s uh, who had trick plays, onside kicks, uh, you know, on the uh, first uh, opening drive of the game, uh, you know, quarterback sneaks when you didn't expect it. You did all those kinds of things. And, uh, you know, you like to see those kinds of things come back in some ways instead of the kind of, you know, drabness sometimes that we see in football. And that's what made really the American Football League, I think, so popular right away because they did things so much differently than the NFL. You know, the two-point play, the colorful jerseys, the uniforms, uh, you know, the way they played, the names on the backs, you know, everything else, um, you know, was a lot of difference between the AFL and uh, the NFL. So, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, what's happening in, in the sport, you know, it's an interesting uh, situation uh, when you look at it. Just wanted to kind of uh, talk a little bit now about uh, what's happened with the uh, Bears. We went into Chicago to play the game off, and it had a tremendous snowstorm there. Rigby Field was unplayable. The game was indoors into Chicago Stadium, where the capacity crowd of 11,000 couldn't get used to the unique playing conditions. The field was not <laughs> your ideal field. Remember the odor, because there had been a circus in the Chicago Stadium the previous week. One of our players got sick of his summer. It threw up. <laughs> oh, it was bad. We had had a couple of nips the night before, and that smell was too good either. I could already get my head in that little so we, we played the game indoors under restricted conditions. The field was 60 yards long, eliminated field goals, moved the ball in from the, uh, from the sideline, which was a, a board fence they had there for the ice hockey game. Because of the confined field, the game became a defensive battle with a 0-0 score well into the fourth quarter. But Bears fullback Bronco Nagurski team with a galloping ghost to score the game's only touchdown. Bronk threw the, uh, the touchdown pass to me. I was laying on my back in the end zone, and Bronk threw me an end-over-end pass. That was his best pass. They complained, of course, that claimed it was illegal, but Nagurski claims he backed up far enough that uh, he was five yards back. He wasn't anywhere near five yards back of the line of scrimmage, which was a rule in those days. You had to be back five yards. They won the game nine to nothing. It was an interesting game. The indoor game did more than crown a champion. It helped the NFL notice its severe problems. The NFL had to open up. They had to get more scoring, more excitement. They were still... And, you know, it was interesting, uh, as we heard now from Classic Sports on YouTube, thanks to them, uh, some of the former players in that game, this is the description of the 1932 game, not the 33 game between the Giants and the Washington, uh, or the Chicago Bears, I should say. And so, uh, interestingly enough, uh, football was still kind of in its infancy. You know, baseball during that period was still king. It was still America's pastime, as they still call it, which is, hasn't really been in many years. 
And it was an interesting time in football because the, the college game was so popular. I mean, they would get up to, you know, 70, 100,000 people in, in some of these huge stadiums. And, uh, you know, it was minuscule in the NFL. And even with the excitement uh, of uh, the 33 game and, and all the championship uh, prowess that went with it, it still didn't spark as much interest as the college game. And in some ways, even though the NFL is the most lucrative league of any sport on this planet, um, it really survived uh, a lot of negatives. Uh, you know, I remember uh, George Hallis saying, who was the owner of the Bears from the very beginning, he said, you know, I, I would uh, plead with radio stations to just mention that we were home uh, at uh, Wrigley Field to come out and watch us. Or he would plead with uh, the uh, newspapers in Chicago to just put a little print in the uh, sports part that the Bears were going to be playing. And today, uh, you know, without question, the league is a monster as far as finances and uh, now we're talking about globalism with the league. I think we're going to be seeing that soon, where you're going to see teams in different parts of the league of, of the world, I should say, and probably we'll start with the Jacksonville Jags because uh, Con, their owner, uh, is uh, very, very much involved in London. Uh, the Jags have been in that game at uh, Wembley Stadium more times than any other team. And then, of course, you know, they're shopping around, playing games in Tokyo and Berlin and Mexico City. And uh, why do they do that? Because they want to make the game universal, there's no question. Goodell doesn't answer to that, but that's, uh, that's his method of madness. And I think in some ways, uh, will it ruin the sport? Who knows? A lot of the sports, have, in my view, have already been ruined. Baseball is not the same game. There's those who like the pitch clock. I think uh, the pitch clock has affected some of the pitchers like Max Scherzer and, and um, some of the other top pitchers. Uh, you know, Scherzer was still great last year and the year before. All of a sudden now he's having problems, and then probably because of the pitch clock, the elongation of the bases, uh, putting a man on second base. I mean, do we need to do all those things? Uh, do we need to have teams in London and Paris and, uh, you know, what's, uh, the, San, what's the uh, California teams going to do when they have to go on the road? Of course, all of that will have to be uh, confined and approved by the Players Association. And, of course, if you put enough money in front of people's noses, who knows what they'll accept. Uh, but the 33 championship game was, uh, was an interesting game, hard-fought game. Uh, football is certainly not that way anymore, and, you know, we'll have to see, uh, you know, where it goes as far as uh, the future uh, now with, uh, of course, the Super Bowl now. You know, uh, the uh, NFL has played uh, for some 70, 80 years now as far as uh, championship games. Uh, the Super Bowl, of course, being the first well-known uh, game between the AFL and the NFL, which was part of the merger way back in uh, 1966 between Tex Schramm of the NFL and uh, Lamar Hunt of the AFL. And, you know, it's going to be an interesting uh, situation now as we look ahead in sports and see what's going to happen in the NFL. Will it be uh, something that uh, they will probably expand into uh, another, you know, country 
you know, what will happen uh, in the event that uh, the league does that? How will the players react? And, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing to me how this, this league has progressed from a league that really was in financial ruin in the 20s to becoming one of the most powerful entities in professional sports. So, you know, that's a look really at the, the first championship game uh, played way back in 1933 and the 32 game, of course, the unofficial game of uh, the NFL. So hopefully you learned a little bit about it. That was the uh, classic game between the New York Giants and the Chicago Bears. The Bears certainly were a powerhouse in those days with Bronco Nagurski and Red Grange. Uh, and Red Grange, of course, was the person who really propelled the NFL uh, into uh, interest with fans. They would barnstorm across the country playing several games per week just to come and see Red Grange who, uh, out of the University of Illinois. Well, that'll about do it for our show today. Thanks so much for joining us on this segment of Sportsbeat Radio Talk and Sports, talking about the first championship game, 1933, uh, Wrigley Field between the Giants and the uh, Chicago Bears, who won uh, in both 32 and 33. Sportsbeat is a presentation of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sportsbeat Radio, and until tomorrow, all of you have a safe and great day. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.